0: Thank you, Jesus. As a pastor, my mind uh, may travel in areas that, if you're not a pastor, maybe your mind doesn't go because you're given the responsibility of people. And again, all of us know some level of that. If you're a parent, if you're a spouse, a good friend, we get to where we care one for another. But the shepherding part of it, you know, people get in your heart. And so, you know, you try to hear what's going on in their life. The Bible tells us when one rejoices, we should all rejoice. When one is weeping, we all weep. Through this last year, uh, there's been a lot of things that's caused us to weep. And you want to walk that road with somebody. So it brings me to this place of... When you're not in the building here, many of you streaming right now, some of you have been quarantined for months on end. Who do you turn to? Who do you turn to? Some of you turn to your family that's, you know, in the house with you. Some of you pick the phone up. Some of you text, FaceTime, whatever the case. Who do you turn to? Who is your source of strength? Who is your source of strength? You've got to ask yourself that. Who do I naturally rely on? Many of us, I'm reminded of a a kind of a joke of yesteryear when, when a pastor had to get with his deacons and things hadn't been going well for a long time and it looked like they were going to lose everything they'd worked for. And the pastor came in and said, guys, I don't know what to say, but it's just time to pray. And one of the deacons spoke up and said, has it come to that? as much as that sounds kind of a joke, then the reality is we got to ask ourselves, do I only pray when I've extinguished everything else? Is that my last result or is it my first recourse scene? And so we got to ask ourselves, who, who is our helper? Who do I turn to? Do I, do I call mom first? Do I call dad first? Do I call my friend first? Do I call my children first? Or do we go to him first? And so it's, it's in the crunch time that we measure and we find out who we really are and what we believe in, what we trust. When we are approached with challenging news, what is our first response to that? We talk so much about first responders. What is our first response? Do we naturally, okay, I'm going to take it to the Lord. I don't, I don't know about you. I'm going to go to the Lord. I'm going to share with him my discontent, my concern, my fear, my anxiety. And so we ask ourselves again, who is our helper? And uh, I felt, well, the Scripture, uh, using a a more modern term, uh, has an app for us. Heaven has an app for us. A promised provision. The helper is the Holy Spirit. This week I found myself again just kind of going through this and I I'll be as straightforward as I can and and transparent as I can. A lot of times when you're preparing and you're 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 listening to the spirit and you're listening to the news and you're hearing people and you're okay, where are we right now? What what word do we need to hear right now? We find ourselves or I find myself uh, okay, Lord, I, I need to know that I'm not just relying on media or just relying on the last book I read or the last conversation I had. What are you wanting to say? The Bible speaks, he that hath ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. So the Spirit's always speaking to us and individually as well as to a church. And so I found myself going through scriptures and thinking, is this something we already know? And is it something that as soon as listeners start hearing again, it's like, oh, I already know that and move on. Now, I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm trying to beat myself up here. How many times have you been watching a television program or a movie? And as soon as you turn the channel, it's like, oh, I've already seen that episode. I've already seen that movie. You, it kind of glosses over, do not you? you already know the outcome and you're ready to move on. Is anybody with me? At le- give me at least one person with a hand up. We're all there, aren't we? You know we're capable of doing that with scripture I've, i know that verse i've already got all of the juice out of that one i'll move on to something else and yet the word of god is a living word to us constantly with that in mind i want you to turn with me to john chapter 14 several scriptures today i want you to stand with me as we read god's word together those of you streaming encourage you to stand as well to honor the reading of God's Word. John 14, these incredible words of Jesus, as we know that the, the time of Jesus' passion was was right before him, and he's, he's securing these believers. He's strengthening these believers, and he's speaking, of course, still yet to us. John 14, verse 15, he says, "'If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because neither can it see him or know him but you know him for he dwells with you and he will be at this time his prophetic word to them will be in you thank you lord for your word let it speak to us again let it encourage us again Let us get a hold of that which is still available to us in this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The helper, the helper, the helper. This first audience, of course, needed to hear an encouraging word. And and Jesus was already putting into them the strength of what they were going to have to rely on in just the next few hours and the days after, and of course, the rest of their life, as they would, in their mind, go back. This is what he promised, even when Jesus wouldn't be here, and now I'm living past Jesus being able to walk with me in the flesh any longer. He promised that there's always help. And I found myself this week again, just, Lord, this is where we are. We're in a pandemic, we're in crisis, we're in political upheaval, there's division, there's angst everywhere we turn, we need help. who do we turn to? Who do we turn to? Who can we depend upon again the scriptures promises us a helper that will be with us forever. All of us are capable in prayer to get feeling sorry for ourselves. Can I hear an amen? and in that we'll find ourselves and it 's almost a Well, it's a pseudo-religious spirit that gets on us, and it's like, I don't want to bother the Lord with this. Where in his scripture did he ever say, don't bug me? He said, cast your care upon me. He's able to supply all of our needs and promised a helper that would be with us in the next five minutes, only for the next five minutes. He might show up next week. No, forever he will be with us. And then again, many of you have probably read these scriptures, studied these scriptures, but there's always somebody else that's not had that privilege of knowing the impact of this verse alone when he says, I'm with you now, disciples, but I'm not always going to be with you, but I'm not going to leave you alone. There's going to be another coming to take my place. And that word there again in that original language had such great significance that first group of disciples knew exactly what he was saying when he said there's another one. In other words, that word used there meant there'll be another one, but just like me. This is why the scripture tells us when Jesus was given for our salvation, The Bible took the time to say that Jesus is the only begotten Son of the Father. You and I as believers today get the privilege of being called the children of God, sons and daughters of God, but there's only one begotten Son of the Father, and His name is Yeshua. His name is Jesus. What is that saying? He is of the same as the Father. All through these scriptures today, we see this pattern, this intricacy of the word reinforcing that the God we serve is incredible. And even though we talk about the manifestations of God, there are not three gods, there's one God. We speak of Father, we speak of Son, we speak of the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, one God. God. And in this already, Jesus is in the flesh talking to these disciples. He said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. There's going to be another just like me, the helper that will be with you forever. In other words, these guys were starting to get it. We've already seen Jesus where you were on the other side of the lake and you weren't with us in the moment. He really was speaking to them and they probably hadn't totally grasped what was going to happen that Jesus would be removed from them as they'd had the privilege of walking with him in the flesh for two or three years. But here he's telling them, I'm not always going to be with you, period. But you won't be alone. You and I got to get a hold of this truth today. Who is this helper? All through Scripture, we find the Helper is listed by other attributes, other titles, other names. I wonder how many of us needs a counselor today. This is who the Helper is. The Holy Spirit is our advocate. We have the privilege of having an attorney. we On retainer, this this advocate that will speak in our behest, that will speak for us. How many knows there's a heavenly throne going on right now? Judgments are being made right now. We have one right there that's already speaking for us. We even get it better than that today because we know the Holy Spirit, our advocate here, is advocating to Jesus the Son seated at the side, uh, right-hand side of the Father. We understand that heaven knows exactly who we are and what we're going through at any given time. See, we've got to be reminded of these truths. The Holy Spirit's also known as the one who gives us strength. Today we use an expression in athletics, this is a strength coach. Someone that comes along and teaches us the capabilities that's already in us and how to maximize the strength that's already inherent in us. My God, that'll preach. Comes along and encourages and strengthens us and coaches us That helps us realize, I can do this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We know him as the comforter. I wonder how many needed comfort in this last year. He is the advisor. He's the ally to us. We know him as the intercessor. And maybe above all of it, he is our friend. This helper who is our friend. It's great to get help from somebody standing in the crowd, and it's like, I don't even know your name, but thanks for the help. But when your friend says, I'll never leave you, I'm going with you, I got you, I got your back, I'm going through this. All these things are describing the Holy Spirit as the helper. He is the one called alongside. I wonder how many of that will confess today. Do you ever talk to yourself? Why do we laugh when we admit that? it's natural, and it's healthy. Sometimes that child-likeness that the Scripture tells us we ought to be activating really comes into play in our spirit walk. There are times when we are overwhelmed with life that we're challenged in life. And it may look like we're talking to ourselves, but just turn, whether to your right or to your left, and just say, Holy Spirit, I can't see you right now, but I know you're right here because the Bible says that you are the paraclete. You come alongside of me. Woo, come on, somebody. Let your spirit come alive. Stand upon his word. Just because I can't see it doesn't mean it isn't real. Just because I can't see something now doesn't mean that it's not already in process. This is where faith comes in. He said, I'll send another one, and he is the spirit of truth. I won't share it all today, but oh my, the studies that I'm doing now to try to understand the postmodern mindset of a movement that we're all dealing with. And we're like, why would somebody make these statements? And it is a spirit that's driving the constructionists or constructivism. And when we hear expressions, when one of your own children, one of your grandchildren say, that's your truth. I've got my own truth. And it freaks us out. It's because it's a mindset. It's a spirit driving that that says, I'm going to create my own truth. This is why we use expressions today of relative truth. Well, it's truth right now. I'll need a different truth tomorrow because it's all relative. And yet the Word of God says there's absolutes in God. We understand again the Spirit of God telling us again what Jesus was telling us. Why, Why would we say the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth? Because, again, associated with Jesus. Who is Jesus? He is the way, the truth, and the life. You see, you can't separate God. We may see these manifestations, but it's God speaking to us. The spirit of truth comes along and not only reinforces that which we already know through his word to be truth, and we stand on it, the Holy Spirit also unveils untruths to us when we're, God, how how do I deal with my child who says, well, that's good for you, that's not good for me? God, how do I speak to them? How how do I reveal to them real truth? I need the spirit of truth helping me to enliven my life and my mind, enlighten my sight. You see, it comes to salvation itself. Let me turn with me to John chapter 20. John chapter 20, real quickly, I'm going to read verses 19 through 22. You can't miss this. We know that Jesus has just been crucified and rose the third day. And on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, being a Sunday, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be to you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you as the father has sent me. So I am sending you. And when he had said this, he don't miss this. He breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. These men had been followers of Jesus, but it's in this moment that they are spiritually regenerated. It's in this moment that salvation becomes genuine and real. But notice the wording here, receive the Holy Spirit. This helper that he had just talked to him days before his passion, He's now telling them, now you're ready to receive. We're not even to Pentecost yet. Here he's talking to them and reminding them of the promise and to receive this, the regeneration. Romans chapter 8 verse 9 speaks of this and says again, if someone doesn't have the spirit of Christ, they are not of him. You see, we have to go through these things again. For others, they've just really never knew. They've been churched, but didn't realize the impact. When we hear about the baptism of the Spirit, when we talk in Spirit, again, all these things are incredible truths to us, but we have to understand them. You see, we can't even get saved unless the Holy Spirit is drawing us. But at the moment of salvation, when we believe in our heart, confess with our mouth that Jesus is Christ, Then it's at that moment that the Holy Spirit comes into our life. There's a fullness that's capable to be received later. But in this moment, we've got to understand this. Without the Spirit of Christ, no one even belongs to him. There's been these denominational debates and fights and arguments for years. But understand again today, if you're a child of God, the Holy Spirit is in you. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know what you just said? The helper is in residence. He's already in my life. My prayer life has meaning even when my emotions don't catch up to it. The Holy Spirit of God is in my life. We all get so bombarded at times we think God doesn't even know my name. Oh yes, he's never forgot. But so when we struggle to connect, when we know we have sinned and fallen short and don't feel worthy any longer, the Holy Spirit is still in our life. Come on, somebody. You see, this is the trick of the enemy the discouragement to defeat us, to again not move upon that which is already ours, and to know that heaven is already moving in our life, that the things that heaven offers is at our reach. Again, the Holy Spirit given, and yes, there is a baptism of spirit. Acts chapter one, verses four and five, the promise of the Father. He's telling them, go to the upper room and tarry for the promise of the Father, which you've heard from me, again. All these scriptures supporting Father, Son, Spirit, again, one God, but working together to tell us, Jesus said, This isn't my promise, this is the promise of the Father, but I'm the one that told you, go and tarry for it. There's a fullness of the Spirit. In other words, there's again, there's a difference of a baptism of water and a baptism of Spirit. Can I pause a minute? We're in a a building that's constructed with a denominational tag, Church of God, Cleveland, Tennessee, known as Pentecostal, known as Spirit-filled, full gospel. We believe in the whole Bible rightly divided as one of our first creeds from our position. There was a time, no matter whether our buildings were built in whatever country, whatever city, on the backside of the tracks or on the main thoroughfares, we were constantly preaching the baptism of Spirit. Our buildings were, were, were used to, it was in vogue to have people come around altars and, and be praying with people to receive a baptism of Spirit. Again, already born again, Holy Spirit in them, but asking for the Holy Spirit to come into their life. What were they really saying? It, they weren't saying he needs to come in initially. I want him to have a fullness in my life. How many remembers times of just tarrying at altars and people praying with us? Were mistakes made? Absolutely. We've all got our inside stories and our jokes. of One person in one ear saying, hang on, and the one in the other saying, let go. We've all had the experience of somebody having bad breath praying over us. And yet, here we are today. Are we preaching that there's still a baptism of spirit? Do we believe that there's help from above? Do we believe that He's in our lives already? Do we believe that he doesn't just have a one-time experience with us and then leaves us alone? Do we believe that he continues to be with us forever? Do we still believe in the urgency of the Spirit being active in our life? to help us as we're reading the word of God and a rhema word comes alive and it speaks to the situation in the very moment we're reading God I, I didn't even schedule my devotion time but I just happened to be reading this today but the very answer I've been looking for is speaking to me now God you're in my midst you're helping me through your word you promise never to leave me nor forsake me and it's by his spirit that he induces us with power from on high, Amen. to get into a prayer closet and say, "God, I'm going to walk into this closet weak, but I'm going to come out strong because you and I are going to have a powwow in here, and I know that there is still enough power in the heavenlies to help me in my moment right now. You never run out of your strength. You never run out of the the, the power that you have through your name and through your word." Jesus, you shed your blood one time, and it's still sufficient for me right now. There is still salvation in the name of Jesus. There's still deliverance in the name of Jesus. There's still counsel in the name of Jesus. There is still an advocate in the name of Jesus. There is still a friend that's closer than a a biological brother in the name of Jesus. I know that you are with me. I know that you are in me, and I know that you won't forsake me. So Lord, I'm camping out right now in a tent of meeting and asking for your glory to show up in my life through the power of the Holy Ghost. This difference keeps showing up, the Bible tells us that, yes, they made their way to that upper room 10 days later. Chapter two, verse four, we know it well, and we know that there was a sound of a rushing wind coming in, and we know that the Spirit descended on them, and cloven tongues as of fire upon them, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, and they were all filled. But again, we take the time to realize, when it says they're filled, it doesn't mean it was initial because Jesus had already breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit just days earlier. What is it telling? It's verifying that the Holy Spirit does come into our life at salvation. And yes, he begins his work, but there is more if we desire it to have a fullness of his spirit. Can I hear an amen in the house? We understand again, Acts chapter 19, I won't take the time to read it right now. It tells us of a man by the name of Apollos that had gone through Ephesus and he had taken time to share the scriptures as he knew it. And there were believers that believed upon the name of Jesus at that time as a result of his ministry. And the Bible even gives us the time to tell us that he preached to them about John's baptism. That's all that he knew was water baptism. And he moved on and we find Paul coming in behind Apollos. And the first question he asked them is he said, "Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed?" And they said, "We haven't even heard of a Holy Spirit." They'd only known of the name of Jesus. They only knew of repentance. Thank God they were saved. But in that time, he prayed for them, and they, too, were baptized with the Holy Spirit. Again, the Holy Spirit was in their life. They had become believers, but they prayed. He prayed for them, and they, too, began speaking in tongues as the Spirit of God gave evidence that there now was a fullness going on in life. Can I hear an amen? Again, Acts 1 and 8 tells us the purpose of the Holy Spirit that we shall receive power. I wonder how many needs power today. And again, as I get ready to close out, it's that whole question again. We find strength in numbers, even streaming right now, those of you watching, those that will watch later. But what do you do tomorrow morning when you're not in a church building? Who's going to help you? Who do you depend upon? Maybe tomorrow you'll need counsel that you didn't need today. Who do you turn to? Maybe tomorrow you'll feel totally alienated. Who will be your ally? Who are you going to call on? Tomorrow you may be getting crushing news and you need comfort. Who are you going to call on? The Holy Spirit is in our life. And again, with that, then this promise of a fullness. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 also begins to tell us something else about the Spirit. Bear with me just another moment. In this scripture, it simply says, don't be drunk with wine where there's dissipation. In other words, it'll wear off, but be filled with the Spirit. There's a parallel there. It's why the scripture used that to tell us about this renewing of the Spirit in our life. If you've ever been drunk with alcohol in your life or been around somebody, you never hear them say, "And hang on, don't get mad at me. I was drunk once and therefore I'm always drunk. As if we use a term, I'm once saved, always saved. Ooh, that just wakens people up. When it comes to the things of the Spirit, we have to understand there has to be a renewing. When someone drinks alcohol, yes, it has its effect. It has its stimulus. It has its buzz. And we find that people become dependent upon that buzz. I feel better when I'm inebriated to some level. And I want that stimulus from that drink. Come on, somebody. Don't be afraid of these scriptures. But he says, don't be drunk with wine because it will never last be filled with the Spirit. In other words, if I take one drink, and yes, it has its effect, but for me to have continued effect, I have to continue to drink, then I need to be continually filled with the Spirit. Come on, somebody. How many times has someone fallen for the the trick of the enemy that, well, yeah, you're saved, and yeah, you, you spoke in tongues once, you were filled with the Holy Ghost way back in 49, 61, 75, two months ago, whatever the case. The privilege of being filled with the Spirit. The language there is present tense, imperative mood. In other words, it is an ongoing experience. That every time we whisper the name of Jesus, <laughs> he's right there with us. When two gather in his name, he says, I am present with you. If two agree is touching anything, I am there in your the Every time you praise my name, I will inhabit those praises. All these things telling us of an ongoing relationship, an ongoing renewing, an ongoing process that invigorates us and strengthens us. You stand with me today.